1: To learn more, visit NavyFederal.org. At Navy Federal, their members are the mission.
0: Navy Federal is insured by NCUA, equal housing lender, membership required. Terms and conditions apply, loans subject to approval. In recent weeks, we've really focused on some ways that listeners can boost their income. Uh, So whether that's through starting your own side business and growing your network like Holla talked about, or when we talked with local realtor Alan about diving into investing in real estate, well...
1: Any department can save time on any presentation with AI. Generate slides and seconds with Canva presentations at canva.com, designed for work. Welcome to How to Money. I'm Joel. And I am Matt. And today we're asking the question, repair or replace that old car?
0: Yeah, Joel, did you know that the annual expense for making repairs to a 10-year-old vehicle, it's about the same as a single month's worth of car payments to a new vehicle? Wow. Isn't that crazy? (laughs) And not even necessarily new. Like, sometimes these cars are a few years old. But either way, there are payments on cars. And a lot of times, I think we we blow out of proportion the amount of money that we put towards repairing our vehicle, and so that's what we're going to talk about this episode, man. You know, this isn't a slam dunk though. Like we're not going to tell everybody to hang on to their old vehicle. There are some great reasons to replace that vehicle, and we're going to cover all of those and some more.
1: In this episode, buddy. Yeah, man. A lot to cover here. I think we've got a lot of good information for people to consider. Uh, If they're driving an older car that's starting to give them more issues and they're not sure, well, should I ditch it? Should I keep it? Uh, Should I be trading up for a newer vehicle? And there's just just a lot of moving parts in the situation, Uh, not to mention the parts that might be breaking down in your car. So, yeah, we'll kind (laughs) of cover a lot of that stuff on today's episode.
0: That's right. Well, before we get to all that, I wanted to share a quick little story. My car insurance company. I noticed that they had this application that you could download. They started offering one of those apps that you can download. And it's super easy. And it tracks your driving. A lot of insurance companies are offering these now. And what's great about this is that you have the opportunity to decrease your premiums every single month. And I thought, you know what? I like saving
1: money. I'm going to give this a shot. (laughs) And you with how little you guys drive, you, you only have one car. And it typically sits in the driveway a lot of the time. Yes, I'll, yeah, a large portion of the day
0: it sits there. That's it's why I've considered doing the uh, what's that app Toro, where you like rent, you know, where you can rent out your vehicle and make some money, side money with it. Yeah, I mean, it's just it's an asset. It's it's money literally sitting in our driveway that is doing us nothing except for be there for when we need it. And I guess it's worth it because <laughs> for that reason, otherwise it would be earning its keep. You yeah, know, on the but side.
1: I think yeah, insurers are going more towards. Tracking your driving and giving you discounts if you drive fewer miles, which I love because really car insurance should be in an ideal world based on how much you drive because someone who drives more is you know a, a bigger risk to the insurance company. Absolutely. So yeah. how's that going for you then?
0: Yeah. Well, so we did it. It was a three month period, right? It was about ninety days that they tracked my driving, Kate's driving, and specifically, I'll tell you what they were looking for, or at least you know this app. It was specifically looking for uh, how hard we brake, yeah, how quickly we accelerate as well as the percentage of driving that we were doing at night. So nighttime driving. And it took all three of those things into account. And at the end of that three-month period where they were analyzing our driving, we were gifted uh, a discount nice. of about 175 bucks. There you go. Which isn't huge, but it is way better than nothing, right? And so it's also worth noting, though. Here's the thing. And this is why I wanted to, to share it with folks. There are a lot of different apps out there. But what's important to look at is whether or not you can potentially see your premiums increase and that is the case now where some companies if you read the fine print th- like there's a you know eight out of ten drivers will see their premiums decrease <laughs> right but two out of ten that drive freaking crazy <laughs> they're gonna see the premiums go up and so if you know that that's you you know if you're a, a heartbreaker or you just like to get wherever you're going as quickly as possible, you might want to stay away from downloading that app. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Keep your premiums where they are because uh, you might be getting a deal as it is. For folks that drive
1: like a grandma, drive cautiously, and also... Or rarely drive like or, we do. Yeah, yeah, or don't drive very much at all. I think it's a, it's a great way to go. I think... You know, we did the same thing with our insurance company, but this was probably a couple of years ago. And I think we saved roughly 16%, 18%, something like that off our overall premium. That's so pretty huge. Yeah. Uh, and it's one of those discounts that keeps going in perpetuity. Yeah.
0: I like those uh, forever discounts. <laughs> and of course, this is in addition to the savings that a lot of car insurers are also providing their customers due to the fewer claims that so many of these companies have experienced over the past several months due to sheltering in place. A lot of folks are receiving checks or credits directly from their auto insurer, completely unprompted. But if you haven't, definitely look into that as well, uh, if you're interested in saving some money.
1: Uh, and we, Matt, there's an article I wrote a long time ago on the site, but it's still incredibly relevant about how to save money on insurance. So for folks that, that want to read more about that, uh, we, we've got tips like this, but even other ones that little known that might take you an hour that are going to save you hundreds of dollars every year, in perpetuity so yeah yeah. we'll link to that article in our show notes yep like Uh, we often do (laughs) (laughs) all right well let's get on to the beer that we're having on the show today we're drinking zombie dust by three floyds brewing they're out of indiana big thanks to listener doug for sending this one our way three floyds has been around a long time been making good beers for quite some time now
0: Plus, this is one of those fun ones to have, too, that it kind of has this cult following. Like you hear people talk about zombie dust and you're like, oh, yeah, zombie dust. <laughs> <laughs> I think when you have a, a standout name like that, it's easy to grab a lot of people's attention and it kind of stands out in the the crowded beer market. Yeah. But uh, yeah,
1: excited to share this one with you, buddy. For sure, man. Looking forward to it. We'll give our thoughts at the end of the episode. But Matt, on to the subject at hand, we're asking the question, should you repair or replace that old car? And for a lot of folks right now uh, who are self-quarantining because of the coronavirus still, it continues to, to have a major impact on our society and on us as individuals. There's much less traffic out there on the roads. People are leaving their cars in their driveway, kind of like you do a lot of the time. Welcome to my world. <laughs> uh, and, and so hopefully your car is not experiencing many issues right now. But it's important for us to discuss on this episode if you do have an older car that's having more and more issues, well, Maybe your mechanic is a really nice person, but you still don't want to become besties with him or her. And there is, of course, a point where repairing an older vehicle no longer makes sense. And you'll be throwing good money after bad. But many folks make the decision to abandon their still-solid vehicle based on the desire to drive something newer instead of an actual need. To upgrade their vehicle and and get something that's more reliable. And also, it's important to note that the cost of upgrading your car could blow a hole in your budget, since cars are typically the second biggest line item in our budget.
0: Yeah, man, that's right. Transportation is typically second on the list. I actually should know if it's second on my personal list because we do drive so infrequently. I bet like health insurance or you know our health coverage. I'm guessing that probably has the uh, the second place spot. But I should know that though, right? I've I've got all the numbers there. I should dive into those numbers and and share that with you.
1: Yeah, man. Well, all you got to do is like, if you care, run (laughs) run a quick program, I'm sure, on your Excel and you can figure it out. Well, I mean, we
0: we total our expenses every year, but I've never actually ranked them. And so I don't know why I've never done that because I like numbers. (laughs) I don't know. I've set you off. (laughs) Exactly. But no, I, I totally agree, man. And as the repair costs of owning an old car, like they will start to increase. And so the question, you know, we're often asking ourselves is, should we keep that car or should we ditch it? And so today we are going to discuss when you should repair a used car and when you should consider getting rid of it and opting for something newer. And we'll also touch on how to sell your old car and where to go
1: if you decide to upgrade. So before we get into kind of the the, the finite points... Well, a, a lot of this episode is going to dive into those nerdier aspects of things that you need to consider when you're, you're asking yourself this question. Yeah, things like math, <laughs> repair costs, right. right? Exactly. But before we dive into the numbers, it's important to address that there are a few reasons why it might make sense to replace and not repair that old car. Basically, there are different personal considerations to keep in mind, and all those depend on who you are as an individual and what your car means to you. So it partly depends on what you value right? For instance, you might really appreciate being the first owner of a vehicle and completely knowing the history of a car, starting with the first 100 miles that you put on it, right? Th- these are cars that are treated like a member of your family. You might even have a name for that car, like Scotty or Steve, like... Yeah, uh, JL's got Steve in his garage. Yeah, our, friends, our friend JL, who came on recently, and Steve, or, Steve 2.0. Or, or speaking of garages, like you might even
0: have a separate room of your house dedicated to housing this car. <laughs> yeah. You know, like if you think about garages it's a house for your car that you park in. Like it's, it's kind of crazy if you think about it, like how much of the percentage of our homes is dedicated to the care of our vehicles. Sure. And maybe I'm saying all this because I don't have a garage. (laughs) (laughs) You're just jealous. I've got garage envy,
1: but like, until I have a garage, I can make fun of it. But some people really <laughs> love their car that much. And so and so yeah. for them, having a garage, having a place to work on it, having a place to keep it clean, it makes a lot of sense. And so if you are one of those people who really values having a new car, Matt's got a, a fairly new used car. I've got older used cars. But the great thing about how we view money is that it's not necessarily the worst thing in the world for you to buy a new car. If it's something that you value, it's high, high up on your priority list. Well, then we would say let your money follow your values.
0: Well, Joel, real quickly you know i think it's worth mentioning this is why we have a nice craft beer on every episode we quickly cover this on our interviews right like we talk about how uh beer for you and me uh craft beer specifically, it's a little bit of a splurge. Sometimes we'll get some really nice beers that we really enjoy because it's something that we value. Yeah. And so whereas a lot of people are thinking, why would you drink beer? Like water is for free or next to free. You know, you get it out of your faucet like that is 100% something that's better for you. This is hop water though, basically. (laughs) Come on. (laughs) Um, That's what I would say to those people. It meets the Bavarian standard of being considered a beer in Germany. (laughs) What is it? There's like a high standard to be considered. uh, It has to include four ingredients and maybe only four or something like, like that water malts and hops, hops i think yeast or, i don't know i don't like know that. Yeah. yeah yeah we're probably gonna get lampooned for, <laughs> for for that right there but but again for us this is a parallel this is why we spend our money on this because we value it and you know when it comes to vehicles even though i've never purchased a brand new car Or even near new, right? Like I totally get this line of thinking of as far as putting your money towards something you value, especially too if you're looking at getting something newer. Like I understand wanting to have that predictability and the peace of mind that comes with being the first owner and the only owner of a vehicle, right? Like you know the ins and outs, you know the maintenance history of that vehicle. It's something that you can count on. And so while I know that it can be just a a strong sticking point for a lot of people to where it's just across the board, you should never have a new vehicle
1: or even a newer vehicle. uh, That's something that you and I would push back against. Yeah, Matt, your money should follow your values. And if you value, you know, having a, a newer vehicle and it works into your budget really well, then that's not something we would fault people for. And at the same time, I think car ownership can have like this emotional component. That's another consideration that people have to make is I, I know some people have this strong attachment to their car or this strong detachment. They almost hate their car. And I think sometimes we can make a decision because of past history and we have a negative emotional tie to the vehicle that we're driving we're like I just want to get rid of it I don't care about the finances I don't care about the fact that I'm going to lose money or that I can't really afford it but this car I'm just so tired of it I'm fed up with it yeah.
0: or they or they say I love it like th- th- this is something I'm wanting to spend a lot of money on I'm, so I'm a car put, guy I'm, I'm a
1: gonna car nut that, I'm going to put that $4000 transmission into it just because <laughs> I love this car even though it's not worth it right and so I think we do have to step back and, and it can't just be an emotional decision either way whether it's a good one or a bad one
0: yeah, man. Well, so, you know, we're talking about these different personal considerations of repairing a vehicle or getting a new one. A lot of it depends too on if there is a change in what you need out of a vehicle, right? Like this might be an obvious reason, but what we need out of a vehicle, it changes over time. It's safe to say my old CB550 motorcycle, you know, back from my bachelor days, that wouldn't really cut it these days with the kiddos. Although I have seen little kids with helmets on the back of motorcycles as passengers before. Dude, if you
1: had all four kids on the back of a motorcycle with helmets on... <laughs> You you guys would be in the circus or something. Yeah, it, w- it really would be like the circus. Like or, I'm not gonna. Or, or you get arrested.
0: <laughs> you, oh well, that's the thing. It's not illegal, isn't that crazy? There's no age limit to how old a passenger on a motorcycle can be. Wow. So like I'm not gonna judge anyone, but there's no way that I'm gonna do that <laughs> <laughs> myself. And so for us, man, moving from a small old sedan to a Vida station wagon, like that made sense for us. That was back when we were doing tons of garden uh, and yard projects. And by the way, we're driving around a baby in a full-size Great Dane around the holidays. And so like for us, that was a smart move. We couldn't continue to do those things and include those aspects into our personal life with that really, really old, tiny little sedan. Great Dane, even harder to take around on a motorcycle. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, You got to do the sidecar. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) You've seen those dogs in the sidecars with the goggles and the scarf. Adorable.
1: Yeah, pretty freaking hilarious. (laughs) So cute. (laughs) And and so I think another personal consideration that people need to take Matt, and this is what we're going to spend most of the rest of the episode talking about is what is your specific financial situation? If you've been doing smart things with your money your entire life, you're a millionaire, right? Go ahead and replace that old car for something newer. It's likely just a drop in the bucket for you compared to your overall net worth. And and that was one of the things that JL mentioned too, just recently, just a couple of weeks ago, was he felt comfortable buying a brand new Subaru Forester, not going overboard. I mean, he didn't buy a a Bentley or anything like that, but he bought a, a, a nice new car. And he basically, his defense for it, Matt, was, I'm financially independent. And this moves the needle not at all on my overall net worth. This doesn't have an impact. But it did move the needle when it
0: comes to his enjoyment of life. Exactly. Like they drive around the country all the time when they're back in the States, like that kind of thing. And he he wanted a vehicle with four-wheel drive because he had this like steep snowy driveway, just all these things, it made so much sense for him to actually get that. Sure. But like you said, it had very little impact on his actual financial
1: situation. Yeah. And for our listeners out there, well, you might not even value cars all that much. But if you're doing really well financially, then you might value the convenience of not having to deal with the repairs and a maintenance schedule of an older vehicle. And that's a real benefit to you, right? And so I think our personal financial situations have to be taken into account. If like we've talked about, Matt, cars being one of the uh, most expensive line items in our budget, most people don't have the freewheeling cash, aren't financially independent, aren't in the place where JL is. And so we have to make a decision that makes more sense for where we're at financially. And so yeah, I think there's a lot of information that we have to kind of get out there. So people can make an informed decision when it comes to repairing or replacing. That's right, man. So real quick, before the break, I wanted
0: to ask you, what was your or what is your favorite car of all time that you've
1: owned? So it's probably a tie between the Nissan Leaf that I'm driving now because it's fun. It's zippy. Yeah, I got the little EV. Yeah, uh, but in my first car, 1989 Toyota Camry, because it was a manual <laughs> transmission. And I got to say, I miss driving a stick shift so bad. So
0: what about it do you miss? Just the I mean, it's just fun to drive a stick. Yeah, yeah. it's just the, the sense more of con- active driving experience. Exactly. The okay. sense of
1: kind of control you have while you're on the road. I, I miss my care. I mean, and I really do think if I hadn't have been in, involved in like a minor accident, which basically totaled the car, I think I'd be driving that car to this. It was such a good car. (laughs) Yeah, you know, I never drove a stick as a primary vehicle, but
0: I learned on all my friends' sticks, which means that I was average at best. (laughs) Do do people even drive stick shift cars anymore? Yeah, they make them still, but well, they're so rare though. They're so rare. Yeah, they're rare. So, your favorite car? Okay, well, the most fun car I've ever owned was in college. I was driving a 1990, not an '89. I was slightly newer than what you had going on, but I had a white Land Rover Range Rover. Oh man. This car was the most fun vehicle of all time. Like, just first of all, it was so unique, right? Like, you never saw these on the road. It wasn't very practical, though, at all. <laughs> One time, I was driving it on the interstate, and it kind of got, like, the speed wobble thing going on, and I thought we're just going to flip for, like, doing nothing.
1: Like, I, <laughs> like I, I didn't really swerve or anything, but it just started getting really fishy, That might be the time you know that you need to replace that old car. All right, Matt. Well, uh, we got to talk more about the specifics of repairing. What are the average repair costs? And how do you know where your car fits in and whether your specific car needs to be repaired or replaced? And we'll get to some thoughts on that right after the break. Cachava is the all-in-one superfood shake made up of high-quality plant-based nutrients. It's got greens, superfruits, plant proteins, antioxidants, adaptogens, probiotics, and in other words, everything your body craves to feel your best. This is where Kachava really earns their 52,000 plus five-star reviews. Dot com slash how to money. That's spelled K A C H A V A and get ten percent off your first order. That's K A C H A V A dot com slash how to money.
0: For your extended 30-day free trial, go to monarchmoney.com slash money for an extended 30-day free trial. All right, man, we're back from the break. and We're talking about whether we should repair or replace that old car. And so before we dive into the repairs, man, I think let's, let's touch for a second about financing, right? If you are upside down on a car and you still owe money on it, the decision to repair or replace a vehicle it becomes a lot more difficult. Uh, When you still owe money on your car, your options are going to be more limited. And so the goal here should be to get out of debt on your car as soon as possible. Once you own it free and clear, then you can make an informed, rational decision about upgrading to a newer car that might be in better condition. It's just a terrible place to be in financially when you trade in your old ride and you get a new one by rolling that old loan into the new one Uh, Your interest rate is going to skyrocket. And then you'll owe far more on this new loan than that new car is even worth. It's just a terrible sort
1: of perpetual cycle to find yourself falling into. Yeah, it's like a slippery slope. And for for folks that don't have a paid off vehicle, and they're trying to roll that into the purchase of a next, it is financial Armageddon for you you if you continue to do that. It balloons your payment. And if you have issues with that car, then uh, people do this not just once, but sometimes two and three times. And and car dealers are more than willing to, to lend them the money at higher and higher interest rates, jacking up that payment, It's just not a good situation.
0: It reminds me of like a previous episode, we're talking about interest rates, right? And when you have interest rates working for you, it's like being on the correct escalator and it's just kind of like shooting you up to the next level. But if you have interest payments working against you, and this is so easy to do with car payments uh, when you are adding to that principal amount, well, that's like you trying to run up the, the wrong escalator where it's working against you yeah. I mean, you're,
1: you're a salmon trying to swim upstream when you have interest that's working against you like that. Yeah, for sure. So, all right, Matt, let's get nerdy. Let's get into the numbers of repairing or replacing. And so oftentimes that decision to repair or replace comes down to the math and, and really in large part, it should, you know, we've covered some of those personal considerations and I think that's really helpful. Like people should take the math into consideration and filter it. I think through their own personal values. But the math is crucial here. So that's why we recommend, Matt, that people keep track of repairs and associated costs. Because I think it's easy for people to think that their car is a dud. But is that actually accurate? You'll want to have some facts to go on not just like we said earlier, being emotionally done with your ride and keeping track of the actual repair costs that you incur on that car will help you make an informed decision as opposed to just assuming that it's costing you an arm and a leg. Yeah, just like with all of the different amounts that we
0: budget for and track when it comes to our spending, it's easy to fool ourselves into thinking that, oh, you know, I spend way less than that on going out <laughs> to eat or, or I didn't spend that much on vacation. But when you actually track and see how much you are truly spending, you can make, like you said, Joel, informed decisions
1: based on those dollar amounts. I could just see Shakiras saying the numbers don't lie and shaking her (laughs) hips or whatever (laughs) i'm thinking of the super bowl halftime
0: exactly okay so you know how much you're spending on your actual vehicle and then next you'll want to know what the average repair rates are going to be for your specific vehicle consumer reports they have some great data on this and just like we mentioned at the beginning of the episode, generally speaking, uh, it turns out that a five-year-old vehicle, it takes about $350 worth of expenses every year to keep that car running. And 10-year-old vehicles, it takes just under $600 annually in repair costs, right? And so knowing where your specific car, where it stacks up, like that's helpful information. And you know, it can also allow you to know that if the repairs you're having made to your vehicle uh, if you're getting a good deal or not, if if you can see that like Consumer Reports says that my Toyota Camry should cost me about 400 bucks to maintain and repair every year. But you look back at your records and you see that you're spending $800. Well, like there's maybe a chance that you're overpaying. Maybe you're getting
1: ripped off every time you have to take your car to the shop. You might be and you all but you also might have experienced just a, a year that cost more, right? And so maybe that year you had a timing belt and water pump go bad. And that's just something that when you look at the the life cycle of a car is bound to happen. And just because you had that one extra repair that year doesn't necessarily make your car a dud either. So you do have to kind of look at these these repair costs across multiple years in order to get a good gauge of what the car is actually costing. If you look at just last year, it might look like a dud, but it might not be a dud. It might just be that one big repair that you incurred, but but the car is now good to go for a while.
0: Yeah. Well, wouldn't that be a terrible position to be in? Like you drop all this money on, like you said, maybe getting the timing belt changed,
1: which basically means that your car is good for
0: another hundred thousand miles.
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: But but you know what? If you saw that though, and then the next year you thought, you know what? I don't want to go through that again. And then you sell your car to somebody who's going to be able to not change the timing belt. Read the, the benefit to that. Yes, <laughs> of those exactly. Repairs, yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's good to take multiple years into account for sure.
1: Yeah, it's also really helpful and smart to to look into the reliability numbers for your specific make and model and that'll help you determine if the car that you have is worth hanging on to for the long haul so jd power and consumer reports come out with lists every year which which help you see which cars are typically the most reliable and so lexus mazda and toyota are top three in the most recent findings from consumer reports And if you're curious about your specific car and and model and year, well, you can pay for one time access to a site like Consumer Reports or you can go to your local library and get get it for free. But it's worth looking into like, okay, how reliable is my vehicle? Because if typically those vehicles are historically reliable, well, then that's at least one check mark in the decision to keep it and make the repair have the repair done. But if your car falls along, Matt, like your Land Rover would have, it would not have been a good vehicle to keep. <laughs> Consumer Reports <laughs> for the long haul. The, ins- the information from Consumer Reports would have said, "Get rid of it now <laughs> yeah. and-, and find something more reliable." Lots of fun in the short term, a
0: lot of heartache in the long term. Exactly. For sure. Well, then here's the thing, though. Next step: if you find yourself at a crossroads with a repair and you're trying to figure out whether it makes sense to move forward with that fix, that's when you need to know how much this current repair is going to cost. Obviously. And so with that in mind, a good rule of thumb for you is if that repair costs more than half of what the car is currently worth, then that's when you want to seriously consider ditching your car in favor of a newer one. Obviously, rules of thumb don't apply to every single situation. We know that in a lot of cases, like the older a vehicle gets, if you know everything on it is solid. And your car, unfortunately, though, is not going to be worth very much. And like you said, again, let's reference back to a timing belt. Timing belts cost a lot of money. But if you know that that one fix will allow you to continue to drive that car for for years and years, well, then that's an instance where this rule of thumb, you know, it may not be quite as applicable.
1: Yeah, I think the older your car gets, it almost becomes a, does the repair cost more than what your car is worth, as opposed to more than half of what your car is worth. So yeah, if you're driving that older car and an engine or transmission goes bad, I think that's, that's a completely different scenario then. But yeah, the next step in this process is to estimate the value of your car and Kelly Blue Book and Edmunds are the best sites to help you see what your car is worth. When you're entering in the information, make sure that you're filling it out accurately uh, so that you can get a decent representation of the actual value of your car. There's a big difference between a car that's in excellent condition and a car that's in fair condition, right? That has scratches and dents or that just hasn't been kept in overall great condition. But that's the number you want to weigh your repair cost against when you're making this decision and having kind of that informed value in your hands as to what your car is actually worth is really helpful.
0: Totally, man. And the reason for this is because we can be unfortunately very emotional when it comes to our vehicle, right? Because we can talk ourselves into doing anything. We can say, "Oh no, my car is worth way more because I've taken care of it." Like we recently talked about the endowment effect, right? right and and right. that's when something you already own, like it's you're going to perceive it as being more valuable than it actually is. And so, in that case, you might think your car is worth way more. And so you can justify these expenses because you really want to hang on to that vehicle. Or you might really be hankering for like a new car. And so you might think, oh, my car's not worth anything. <laughs> you know, like, is there a worse option than fair? Like, is there crappy? Because I'm going to select that, you know. But like, be honest with yourself because you want to make sure that you are making an informed decision based on facts, not just what you are trying to convince yourself into doing. You don't
1: want that fake news, Matt, when you're... Facts, not fiction. <laughs> <laughs> when you're making that decision. Yeah, yeah, another thing to consider is, does your car have lingering issues? Like other issues besides the main thing that you feel like needs to be repaired. So it's not necessarily just about the singular repair. You'll, you'll want to take into consideration the preponderance of other issues that might be happening with your car at this point in time. So uh, if you can't remember the last time you took your car into the shop, even to get the oil changed, then <laughs> there's a good chance that there might be other work that's been left undone that needs to be completed too. You're like, does my car take oil? I'm not sure. <laughs> <laughs> then you're in a bad spot. Yeah. Yeah. Well,
0: to answer that, If you have a gasoline vehicle, like, yes, your car takes oil. (laughs) It's also worth considering if you can do the work yourself. Joel, neither you nor I are car nerds that know how to fix major issues, but learning how to do maybe some basic repairs could allow you to extend the life of that old car. If you're pretty handy and mechanically minded, then that's an instance where you can put that skill to use. Uh, Joel, have I told you about the switch I installed on my old Jeep? No. Oh man, you're going to love this. <laughs> so I had an issue with my old Jeep to the, the radiator fan. It wouldn't kick on at the right time. And that's the fan that cools your engine. Uh, oh, I think you did tell me did about it. Did I tell this. you about this yeah, before? Yeah, I think
1: we talked about it on the podcast actually. With
0: a switch? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Basically I installed like a manual switch to where I would turn that fan on myself because I was sick of it. It kept breaking and I was tired of taking it into the shop. And so I was mechanically minded enough to install a manual switch. But it probably, generally speaking, wasn't a good idea to kind of mess with the electrical, install the switch that bypassed everything else that the computers and the the car was telling it to do. I would not recommend doing that. Right. Yeah.
1: Not <laughs> for use at home. But but for, for, for some people who... you know, I've changed an alternator before with the help of a friend. Oh, no way. Yeah. Which is... Uh, depending on where it's located in the car, that can be semi-easy or really, really, really hard. And spark plugs, whatever, stuff like that. Whether it's bigger like an alternator or, or smaller like spark plugs or changing your own oil, whatever you can do yourself. And by the way, YouTube, so helpful. Uh, or having mechanically minded friends who can help you out. That can be the difference between feeling like you need to get rid of your car or, or being able to kind of salvage some more years out of it. And of course, DIYing almost anything in your life is going to save a whole lot of money as opposed to taking something to a professional for help. And so, yeah, not that we don't need mechanics... Most of the time, I mean, I know I do, we do in our family, but if there are those little things you feel like you can tackle on your own or something you can at least try, that can help you know lower the cost of continuing to keep that vehicle on the road and allow you to continue to benefit from not having a car payment or having to go into debt in order to, to get another vehicle.
0: That's right, man. And something else to consider is that you might even have to make some of these repairs anyway, just to sell your vehicle if you did want to sell it. And if you don't want to make these repairs, then you're going to have to settle for less money when it does come time to sell. So keep that in mind. Like That's an instance where when you're on KPB and you're entering the, the condition, some of that stuff, you can see how much of an impact that is going to have on the resale price. Experiment there, figure out what the actual impact of those repairs are going to have on that resale value, and you can make an informed decision from there.
1: And Matt, we'll also link to a calculator that has detailed inputs that can help you make that decision with the numbers in hand.
0: Yeah. What's great about that calculator specifically is that it takes into account other factors, not just repair costs as well, right? Like it's taking into account insurance, sales tax, or ad valorem if you're purchasing a new vehicle, gas mileage. There are
1: a a number of factors that you do want to keep into account when you're considering a new vehicle. Yeah, for sure. All right. But let's say you've determined that your car is ripe for the chopping block and you need to sell it. We have to cover the best ways to go about selling that vehicle and to go about buying another vehicle that, that works better for you, that's more reliable. And we'll get to some thoughts on that right after this break. Dot com slash how to money. That's spelled KACHAVA and get ten percent off your first order. That's KACHAVA dot com slash how to money.
0: For your extended 30-day free trial, go to monarchmoney.com slash howtomoney for an extended 30-day free trial. All right, Joel, back from the break. And let's go ahead and keep talking about cars. And we're going to talk about how you can sell your ride, right? If you've determined that it's time to sell your car, one of the biggest things we want you to take away is to remember to not trade your car into the dealer. Why is that, Matthew? Well, <laughs> funny that you ask because you get a much smaller amount for that car when you trade it in as opposed to selling your car to an individual buyer. You're going to see that difference if you look up your car's value on a site like kbb.com. You're going to see that
1: discrepancy between what you're going to get as a private seller versus, versus what the trading value is going to be. Yeah, that discrepancy can be huge when you're playing around on KBB and you're trying to figure out how much your car is worth it literally has a couple of buttons. And one of them is to press to see what it's worth if you're selling to an individual. And the other one is to press what your car is worth if you're trading it in. And the difference can be vast huge, it man. It be thousands of dollars. Yeah.
0: And what's interesting too, is that that's, it's one of the first things that you click. It's not like a final option right. to where you can go back just one step and, and kind of bounce between the two. It's interesting that they put it at the very beginning and they kind of make you commit to doing one versus the other. And so I would challenge folks to, you know, go through all those steps again and actually see what it would be if you were to do a dealer trade in and compare that to a private sale. Because I think, you know, seeing that, you know, multi thousand dollar difference, like that would be enough of a kick in the pants to make you pull out your fancy iPhone or whatever phone you have and snap some really nice pictures of your car, shine it up, you know, take it to the car
1: wash, have it looking real good before you list it yourself. Yeah. So on that note, Matt, for someone trying to sell their car, I think we would say that the best way to do that to get the most money for your vehicle is to sell it to another private individual. And I've kind of thought through it. I think the best way for someone to approach this, Matt, is especially if they have like a week or so that they want to sell their car. Well, there are giant used car companies like Carvana and CarMax that you could sell your vehicle to. You could get a quote from them quickly. Carvana online in almost no time. CarMax, take your car there. They'll tell you what your car is worth. And they will actually literally hand you the amount that they will buy your car for and it's good for a full week. So what I would say is... I go- thought you are going
0: to say that they'll hand you money. And <laughs> if you give them the car, the cash sticks
1: around. But if you hang on to your car, then the, then the cash just disappears. Well, that, that would be one way of That'd doing it. That would be some it. sweet magic. <laughs> <laughs> but basically, what you're doing is you're getting this guarantee that you can go back the very next weekend and sell your car for the amount of money that they promised. And so what I would suggest is go to CarMax, get that number in hand. And then for the next week. Try to sell your car via uh, like Craigslist and the Facebook marketplace, Matt. And the car that we sold most recently, we sold... On the Facebook marketplace, that was where we got the most buzz, and it's free to list it. So, yeah, like you said, take some good pics with your phone, write up a listing for your car that makes it sound appealing, and see what trickles in over the next week, listing it closer to that private party value that you've been able to determine from Kelly Blue Book, right? And so you'll notice that there's a big discrepancy, but at minimum, we think it's important to give yourself a week to try to sell it privately because it will make a big difference in the return that you get when you do decide to, to sell a car. Yeah, maybe another way to look at it is think about that difference almost as a commission that
0: you get to pay yourself. Like this is extra money that's going to be rolling in were you to do that yourself. And Joel, you mentioned you know making sure you take some nice pictures of it. Make sure you you have that car nice and clean too. Like take it to the car wash. Maybe splurge on like the the sixty dollar car wash where there's actual people touching your car. You know, like <laughs> like not just the drive through, but they're kind of detailing your car. That's going to go a long ways in how your car
1: shows, and people are going to want to pounce on that. Yeah, I don't know if it was frugal or cheap, but. I just took mine down the street to the $5 car wash and I vacuumed it out really nicely. And I... I like, did you get some armor
0: all like like to make stuff shiny? I feel like that... that no, like, I got like a wet wipe.
1: <laughs> and I wiped
0: down the dash. It was shiny for a second and then it got dull and dusty looking. Exactly. exactly. Yeah.
1: Yeah. But you know,
0: <laughs> it did the trick. It worked fine. But yeah, you'll be surprised at how good your car looks after one of those car washes. Let's talk about if you are going to buy like quote unquote new. If you do make the decision that replacing your car is best you'll have a decision to make. You know, Do you buy used or are you going to buy new? We much prefer that you buy used, but there are certainly some cases where buying new makes sense. Uh, we have an article up on the site at howtomoney.com uh, that Joel wrote that helps you to decide when buying a new vehicle might make sense for you. Just like a lot of the different financial decisions we make in our lives, there are a lot of different considerations and things you want to think through. And man, you did a good job in, in kind of walking us through that process. Thanks, man. But if you opt for a used car, then probably the most important thing that you can do is to make sure that you have it checked out by a private mechanic. They'll usually charge you maybe for an hour of their time to go over the car. But man, that small fee can save you thousands of dollars and a ton of hassle. Man, you can uh, ask Google, you can ask Siri. Obviously, in those instances, you'll get some highly rated local mechanics. But also don't overlook a personal recommendation or a word of mouth. I know when we were looking for a specific mechanic for for our van, I asked around the neighborhood, and there were multiple folks that Mentioned this one mechanic uh, that they've been going to for over fifteen years. So of course it was a super easy decision for me to check him out, and we couldn't agree
1: more, man. We've been going there for years now. Yeah, man. I've totally had mechanics give me the thumbs up and the or the thumbs down on a car that I've brought there, and I really appreciate that. If you go to a mechanic that you know and trust, who is going to be able to shoot straight with you and and tell you, you know what, this car has uh, enough problems that it doesn't make sense for you to jump into it. Well, then I would listen, and it has helped me avoid buying a car that I thought on the surface looked really good, looked like it was kept up nicely, but I didn't realize all the issues that were lingering. So yeah, that's a really important step. Yeah, that could save you a lot of heartache and a lot of hassle. Yeah, completely. And on that note, we know that repairing a car can be a hassle, right? But when you compare that cost to the years of new car payments that you'll incur by upgrading yourself and getting something a whole lot newer or buying a new car, it it will likely for you make sense to fix your car instead of dumping it, especially if owning a really nice car just isn't high on your list of values. And the highest cost of car ownership isn't the cost of the repair, which when we're faced with a repair, especially an expensive repair, that's all we can think about in our minds is how do I get into something newer that's not going to break down on me and make me pay the mechanic money. That's just kind of the way our brain works. But the actual most expensive cost of owning a car is the cost of depreciation. And so when we're faced with the cost of repair, we just have to have that in the forefront of our brains. Okay, if I do decide to sell this car and upgrade into something nicer, I just have to know that one of the trade-offs is I'm going to pay a lot more in depreciation in the coming years. That is where my money's going to go. It might not be going to the mechanic to, to fix this car that has a couple of issues with it, but it's definitely over a longer period of time going to massive amounts of depreciation if we decide to upgrade instead of to continue rolling with the car that we we currently have,
0: yeah, man, you know, and we think that whether or not you're going to repair a vehicle or you're going to replace it, you want to make sure that you're doing that from a standpoint of financial security, right? Like, if you're going to hang on to an older vehicle, you know that you're going to incur these repair costs, so start putting money aside into maybe an emergency fund, but like ideally you would have a separate fund specifically for repair costs, repair and maintenance. It's going to cost you money to maintain that vehicle, so to start setting that money aside now. Or if you know that in the near future, you're going to replace that vehicle, well, you need to set aside even more money because we don't want you financing that vehicle. That's something that we, again, want you to do from a position of strength. So start saving now for a new or newer car
1: before you get to that point of having to make a tough decision that could hurt you financially. Yeah, Matt, having cash in the bank when you're making this decision and not scrambling because... Dude, you, cash in the bank changes the game. Completely. Yeah, You don't have to make a, a rash decision that will actually maybe in the short term be better for your incoming and outgoing cash flow, but ultimately is going to uh, lead you into more debt and a lower net worth, right? And, and, and having a, an expensive car that you're paying on monthly is a detriment to your overall wealth building process. And so fixing that older car, it might or might not be the best decision. There are certainly a lot of factors at play here, but it makes it so much easier for us to make a rational decision if we have a well-stocked emergency fund, if we have been saving and investing consistently, and if we're able to make this, like you said decision from a position of financial strength as opposed to financial weakness it just means we're going to make a better decision ultimately no matter which side of the aisle we come down on whether we buy a nicer used car or a brand new car that is inexpensive because we're going to own it for more than 10 years or we decide to repair that car and roll with it for a couple more years because that's best for our finances either way doing it from a place of financial security and stability is is going to be a game changer and it's going to be a whole lot less anxiety producing too well said, buddy. All right, let's take it back
0: to the beer. This episode, we were drinking a zombie dust. And this is by Three Floyds out of uh, Indiana. And this one was donated to the show by Doug. So Doug, thanks so much for this beer. Um, I'll go ahead and give you uh, give you my thoughts on this one, buddy. Bring um, it. Like, so it poured a clear kind of golden color, right? Like just a, a nice looking pale ale. And for a pale, I feel like it kind of had like a nice kind of pineappley, citrusy kind of hot presence going on. But at the same time, it was balanced with this Kind of nice bready maltiness it was just a well-balanced easy to drink pale ale i feel like it's a now it's a, a classic example of what a pale ale should be in the us so i really enjoyed this one buddy
1: um yeah what were your thoughts on it i feel like this beer was what made brewers start to make pale ales actually taste good yes <laughs> this, this beer's been around for a while and they really brought a ton of tasty hops to the game in this one. And I love Three Floyds. I love their branding. I love their style. Uh, I love their kind of brash attitude. And and this beer was kind of at the forefront of that attitude, bringing just a lot of hops into the beer and making it taste superb. Yeah, I totally agree. They, they kind of put pale ales back on the map. Yeah, most beer nerds usually relegate pale ales to the back of the line. And, and this beer definitely does not deserve to be there because it really has stood the test of time. It's a fantastic beer full of all sorts of, of hop flavor. So yeah, I really enjoyed this one. Big thanks to listener Doug for sending it our way. All right, man, that's going to be it for this episode. For listeners who want the show notes for this episode to see that calculator that's going to help you make this informed decision on whether to repair or replace your old car, well, you can go to our website, howtomoney.com.
0: And wherever it is that you listen to your podcast, we would be incredibly thankful if you mash that subscribe button uh, right now, if you are not already subscribed to our show. And if you haven't yet already, leave us a review over at Apple Podcasts. It helps others to, uh, to find the show who haven't already discovered the beauties of personal finance,
1: as well as the, the huge impact that it really does have on our lives. On our everyday lives. Agreed, buddy. Yeah, man. All right, man. That's going to be it for this episode. Until next time. Best friends out. Best friends out. Any department can save time on any presentation with AI. Generate slides and seconds with Canva presentations at canva.com. Designed for work. marketing.com.